0: In case someone hasn't told you, uh, you win. I don't know if you've ever noticed that or if anyone's ever told you that, but in the end we win, and we know that. But what do we do in the meantime? We We win in life. Welcome to our series, Winning in Life. We've been going through this for several weeks. We want to do first things first. Why don't you take your Bible and stand to your feet? Hold up your Bible and say this loud and proud. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. Today, I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I understand that one word from God can change my life forever. I'll never be the same. No, never, never. In Jesus' name, somebody said amen and amen. Go ahead and stay standing and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. We are in a series here, and if you would like to pick up, I'm not going to take time to review because we have too much to do today. But you can go to our website, thegracepoint.com, and you can pull off the podcast. You can listen to them right there on the website, or you can download them, or you can go to our podcast. You can get those either way. So, First Corinthians chapter 13. If you'll turn there. First Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to talk about today winning at love. Now, I'm, ta- I'm going to ask you a question. How's your love life? <laughs> Terrible, I heard. <laughs> You're misunderstanding my question, so we'll, we'll, we'll clarify. <laughs> Terrible. Somebody needs help. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about the force of love today. Martin Luther King made this comment as he was receiving uh, the Nobel Peace Prize, and in his speech he made this comment, Love is the ultimate force. Why don't you say that with me? Love is the ultimate force. One more time. Love is the ultimate force. So today we're talking about the force of love. Love is a powerful thing. Don't, get in terms of, uh, don't think in terms of kittens and puppy dogs today, okay? We're talking about the force of love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We'll start in verse 1. I'm going to be reading out of the New King James Version. That's what you'll see on the screen. But you might want to follow along in your own Bible and your own translation. And it says this. Though I speak... And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me what? Nothing. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Your words are life. Lord, I ask you, as you show us the key to everything, as you give us the key to everything, as you teach us, I ask you, Lord, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation That we may know you. So Lord in Jesus name. Open our spiritual eyes. Open our spiritual ears. Open our heart. That we may hear. That we may receive. And that we may become doers of the word. And not merely hearers only. In Jesus name. Everyone said. Amen. Amen. High five somebody on the way down. Say. But have not love. It profits me nothing. I don't know about you but nothing means no thing and if I don't have love then whatever I do profits me no thing nothing works apart from love it's interesting there were some leaders in a church that we were involved in at one point and and I remember talking to them, and, and they, they were leaders on the outside. In other words, they looked good. They sounded good. They had a pep in their step. They were the loudest in amening. They, they were all about worship and shouting and getting excited and always had a word to share and, and always had this appearance of, of just being powerhouses for God. How many of you know you can fake it? And I remember approaching them at one point because it dawned on me after a few years that they weren't doing anything. I mean, there was a lot of talk, a lot of a amen, a lot of, amen, lot of, lot of uh, Christianese going around. Boy, I mean, they had the lingo down. And I remember talking to them one time and, and just simply asking them, would you be interested in leading a life group? all this knowledge you have, all this, it, this energy and this passion for God, we, would you mind using it actually to do something? Now, I'll never forget the answer I got back. Well, Pastor, we don't really like people. I'm like, what? I don't really like people. So we, we don't do life group. You know what I wanted to say? No, I'm not even... I'm going to stay in the spirit. My flesh had something to think and say, but I, let me just tell you something. I got something to say. <laughs> if you don't love people, you don't love God. And if you don't love God, you don't know God. Okay, let's pray and go home. <laughs> That's the message. I was stunned. I was angry. Righteously, of course. How could you be so all about the show? How could you be all about the amens and the praise of the Lord and stay on that? How could you be all about that and not love people? See, there's, there's a scripture that talks about having a form of godliness, but denying the reality Denying the power thereof. And I was blown away. Now, before we judge too harshly, how many know we have to look in a mirror? And I have been guilty of being peopled out. You ever felt that way? Just peopled out. You ever said that? I've repented of saying that. This thing. And what I want to talk to you about today, and maybe next week, and maybe the next, and maybe the next, and maybe who knows how long. This is the key to life, man. This is the key to everything. And if we don't get this, nothing else works. Y'all mind if I just cut to the chase today? I don't want to do a lot of setup here. Because we, we need to get down to where this works. See, a lot of you aren't getting your prayers answered. You're not seeing movement. Some of you, not a lot of you, some of you are tithing, sowing, and you're not seeing anything happen. There's no harvest happening. There are some of you that that occasionally will try to serve. You'll do something and, and, and you're doing it, but you're not seeing any results. And I don't know about you, but Should not this Christian life, should not this God that lives in me, should not this same power that raised Jesus from the dead, should it not be working in me and producing something? Should we not be seeing some level of results? I'm all about not growing weary while doing good, knowing that there's a due season coming, knowing there's a harvest coming. But should we not all along the way be seeing something? Because I don't know about you, but the Bible says that if I'm a Christ child, a follower of Jesus, that I will, as I'm connected to the vine, bear fruit. Mm -hmm. And the Bible even says this, that my fruit shall remain in John 15, 16. So should should we not be seeing something? Let me tell you something, a lot of Christians are seeing nothing. And We just read the key to this thing. It profits nothing if we have not love. How many of you would like to see your prayers answered? How many of you would like to see movement? How many of you would like to see that this life produces something? That it's more than just coming to church. It's more than just saying praise the Lord. It's more than just tossing up some Hail Marys. It's more, it's more than just reading the Bible. That there is something about God himself that his life gets produced through us. Anybody want to see some movement? I Want to see results. Because according to the word of God, as Jesus lives his life through us, we're supposed to change the world. But let me tell you something. A loveless Christian is a powerless Christian. Can I just give it to you real straight today? Can I just be daddy? No love, no power. And let me tell you something, I am absolutely teaching and preaching to myself. Because my self gets in the way sometimes. The late 1800s, a pastor by the name of Charles Sheldon put together a series of messages And he stood before his church, and actually it was almost as though he wrote a novel, a sermon novel. And he put together, and for weeks on end, and months on end, he got up every Sunday in the pulpit. Sunday morning, Sunday night, and it was a to-be-continued story. And he would get up, and he would literally read his manuscript to the congregation. And his mentality and attitude was, it's not fancy It's not attractional, so to speak, but this is what God has told me to say. And he read this sermon novel, you might call it. And I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but it was called In His Steps. And it became the book In His Steps. This book revolutionized and it became, he's actually considered the father of the social gospel. Don't get all negative on that. How many know the gospel should be social in nature? Should not the gospel not only fix you, but fix those around you? And so when he got up and read this, the church was absolutely convicted. They turned it into a novel, produced it, and it was called In His Steps. In the 1990s, a group of youth pastors discovered this book. And they began to read it and they began to challenge one another. They began to challenge their youth groups and say, we're supposed to do something with the gospel. If this is good news to me, it's supposed to be good news to everybody. Amen? And how many of you know when you get good news, you want to share it? These youth ministers got together and said, we've got to do something with this. One of them had a broad idea. I think we need to take a line from the book in his steps, and let's use this line, and let's make it our motto. You know what it's called? What would Jesus do? So in the 1990s, you begin to see bracelets come out. The book came out. They actually took in his steps, and took his son or his grandson, uh, Henry, Henry Sheldon, which was Charles Sheldon's grandson, and, and they produced the book, What Would Jesus Do?, which was in his steps, brought into our air. That campaign impacted thousands, if not millions of people, where people began to get in their mind once again, what would Jesus do in my situation? If Jesus was working with me on this assembly line, what would he do if he was here? How would he do my job different? And that that campaign eventually took some heat and people began to it became real popular and, and I begin to see those bracelets everywhere, and you still see them occasionally. I get a great joy, great holy fun out of asking people, what does that mean? Like, I don't know. You know what is that on your wrist? What is that? Well, WW. What? And uh, sad to say, not everybody knows what it means. Well, my kid gave me this, or you know, or this somebody gave me this. But I want to ask you this question because this is what love looks like. Now, let me say something. Love has a face. Love has hands. Love has feet. Love is a verb. What would Jesus do? I was thinking about this all week. And I've been wrecked with it, to be real honest with you. In fact, how many know when God gives you something, a new truth, or brings something fresh to you, how many know you're going to get tested in it? I just want you to know something. By the way, if you're hearing this today, you're going to get tested on this. Get ready. Or you can ignore it altogether, and maybe not. So this week, as I've just gone through my week, I've been asking the question, not just what would Jesus do, but Lord, what am I supposed to do knowing what I know? Mm-hmm. How, 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 should, how should being a follower of Jesus change the way I talk to somebody? How should it be even in my posture, my countenance? In other words, my, the, my facial expression. How should I look? How should I stand? How should I? Oh, I had so many opportunities this week. To, in honor, give preference to somebody else. And I was so tested. You know where it starts first? My home. I woke up Wednesday morning with one of the worst headaches I think I've ever had, literally. I don't know that I've ever had a migraine, by the way people describe them, but it was real close. It was I was on the bubble there. And I don't know if it was what was the wind blowing the stuff off the hills or what, but I woke up Miserable. And let me tell you, I was not in a happy mood. I know this comes as a shock to everyone. Because <laughs> I'm a very positive, upbeat person, but I snapped at it. I was short, and I, I mean, she was just like, she got that. she was like, okay, back slowly away. <laughs> she, she handled it really well, I'll be honest. She, she did well. And, and I, I remember getting in my car and driving to the office, I was just like, what is going on? I was in pain. This chronic nothing touched it, and you know what? It's funny because we think we're going to get tested when everything's going well. Do mm-hmm. you know the the test doesn't come when everything's happening? Mm-hmm. Woohoo, man! On the mountaintop, wow, right. glory! At the conference, at the retreat, right. at the camp, on the mission trip—that isn't where you're going to get tested. Right. It's going to get you're going to get tested when you wake up, and you have a headache. Or you have a backache, or you have a heartache, or when your child makes you feel like you're the failure parent of the year. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Any other humans in the room? You're gonna get tested when you least expect it. You're gonna get tested when you're grieving. You're gonna get tested when things aren't working. And it almost seems like it's not fair. You ever felt like a kid again? Remember going to school and then getting a pop quiz and going, but I didn't get to study. This isn't fair. You ever said that as a student? I know none of y'all do. Oh, really? Okay, honest over there. Thank you. This just isn't fair. You ever feel that way? Oh, God, this just isn't fair. And God says, what, where did it ever say in the Bible that love is fair? Where do we ever get the idea that love is fair? Maybe God could have said, This isn't fair. I don't want to give my only son up. This isn't fair. I shouldn't have to crucify my son on a cross because you're being an idiot, because you're in disobedience, because you've decided to do life your own way. I shouldn't have to. Maybe it's not fair to God either. Don't ever think that love is fair. You will set yourself up for great disappointment. Can I get an amen? amen? Your success in every arena of life will depend on how you do in this one area of life, the love walk. It's funny because I know in the past when I've heard this topic, I'm kind of go, oh, I already know that. Well, Okay, I can sit back on this one. Do not sit back on this one. Now listen to this. There is nothing more critical or more powerful than love. If the love walk is not right, nothing else will be right. Let me give you a couple definitions. If you look up on the screen, love is this. It's a verb, by the way. It is a noun. There's a noun form, but it is a verb. Say, love is a verb. Y'all do know what a verb is? Can we can we retract? You know, go back in time a little bit. It's an action. A verb is—it's a doing thing. It's an action where it's something you do. So, love is a verb. That means it's—we can't just say we love each other. It's like my honey. She—she'll tell me. Don't tell me. Show me. <laughs> Amen. Love is a verb. In the Greek, the word agape, and it's used in the New Testament. This is out of vines. It's used in the New Testament to describe the attitude. Remember last week we talked about attitude. You've got to have an attitude that determines your altitude. Attitude is a position and it's what gives a plane lift when the attitude is correct. So it's the attitude of God toward His Son. That's what love is. It's His towards His Son and towards us, the human race, and to those who believe on the Lord Christ to convey his will to his children. This is what love is concerning their attitude toward. uh Oh, you know, it's so easy to love somebody over in another nation. Oh, I'm going to pray for the nation of Scotland. It's just easy, is it not? But it's a little harder when you're not happy about where you live. And when you're getting cut off on East South 11th and somebody's been mean to you at Walmart. You're supposed to love one another. He says their attitude. Their attitude, the way they're positioned. And toward all men to express the essential nature of God. Someone say, the essential nature of God. Love is the expression of the essential nature of God. When I love, I look like my father. And when I don't, I look like somebody else. Now, I want to give you a practical working definition. Love, it's the attitude, the mindset, the mentality of a Christ follower or a believer that motivates them to act as God in Christ would act in any given situation. Leave that up there on the screen for a minute because this is is important. The attitude, the mindset, my position, my mentality of a Christ follower, who I am, that motivates us to act as God in Christ would act in any given situation, what would Jesus do? I think that's a valid question. I'm not saying go throw on a bracelet or dig your old t-shirt out of the closet. I'm saying let's do it. Amen? Amen. Love does. Yes. It doesn't just say. It acts. Okay? If we got that. Let's move to the next screen. Particularly toward other believers and toward those outside of the Christian faith. Uh-oh. Ooh. It's so funny how we Christians are. We all love you. Love you, brother. I mean, somebody might have just hacked you up verbally. Defriended you on Facebook. Ooh, that's the ultimate betrayal there. But, oh, they love you in church. Because we're supposed to, right? I mean, can you imagine this greeting in the hallway? Love you, brother. Do you really? It'd be awful we were real in church, wouldn't it? It'd be just like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> but, but you said this about me. I, I did not feel like love. But you did this to me at work. You did this to me at the office. You didn't show up and serve in that ministry you said you were going to show up in. That doesn't look like love. Oh, I know. I just hit some stuff there. I know. I just woo, felt that off the back wall. It's the very presence and nature of God. Love is the nature of God. It's the presence of God. (sighs) Love (laughs) is the very presence of God. Listen to this. Winning in life is winning in love. First John four seven through eleven. For time's sake, we're going to go to the screen. Look at this on the screen, beloved. Let us love one another. Now, remember what love is. It's the nature of God expressed. When I love you, it's like God is literally loving you through me. And I'm telling you, when somebody loves me, I, this morning in our prayer time, Eric came over and said, "Hey, let's pray for Pastor Jimmy." So that when he, pre- I mean, I just felt love in that and. People gathered around me and prayed. I felt love because it was God and you guys pouring into me. And I was like, God, I was so strengthened in that moment. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love, this hurts. He who does not love does not know God. For God is what? God is love. In this the love of God was manifested toward us that means expressed or appeared it came it, in reality toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him in this is love not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation that word is sacrifice the replacement for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to what? Love Love one another. And the people said, now back up to the beginning of that. The scripture we just read told us that God is what? Love. Love. So if God is love, then we're going to replace the word God in the scripture with the word love because God is love. Amen. Now let's read it again. Knowing what we now know. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of love. Yeah. And everyone who loves is born of love. Yeah. See how love begets love like seed begets like, seed, like plant or like harvest. Everyone who loves is born of love and knows love. Yeah. He who does not love does not know love. Yeah. You can't give out what you don't have. So when someone tells me who's a believer and poses as a leader in the church but says, I don't love people, I'm like, well, you don't know God. Right. You don't have love, so you can't love. You can't give out what you don't in and of yourself possess. So now look what it says. He who does not love does not know love, for love is love. <laughs> in this, the love of of love was manifested toward us, that love has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved love, but that love loved us and sent his son to be the sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if loved, or Elizabeth, if love so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Love is the key. Love is the key. But we got to know what love looks like. Amen. Okay. If that's the key to everything, if that is the key to getting my prayers answered, if that is the key to being powerful in God, if that is the key to everything, then what does it look like? Okay. We're going to go there. Okay. You're with me today. Are you with me? Let me share this with you. Love has a face. Love has hands and feet. Love is a verb. Love is God's presence activated both in and through you. It never stops with you. Or it's not love. We've been teaching for the last few months on how to speak the word, how to confess the word, how to take God's word. We say the word works, but you've got to Work the word. We've been discipling you, teaching you how to work the word so you can overcome sin. So you can win in life. So you can be strong and powerful. But let me tell you something. It doesn't stop there. If it stops there, then we never got a hold of love. We never activated the very thing that makes it all work. You can have a car, but if there's no motor, if there's no engine, the car will go nowhere. Love is the engine. It's what drives everything. It's the reason God spoke this thing into existence in the first place because God is love in the very essence of his nature said, "I've got to create something that will love me back." Because God and he risked everything. Can you imagine the Holy God Almighty saying, "I'm going to create a creature that has the capacity to not love me. I'm going to create a creature that has the ability to choose. It's so funny when, people, when tragedy happens. People say, how could God let that happen? I'm like, because God loves us so much. That he gives even the idiot the opportunity to do the wrong thing. And if he interfered in that and stopped it. it would, he would violate his own nature of love. You get a hold of that because a lot of people get upset with God as though God caused a problem when in fact God did nothing but allow us to make a choice. And when somebody makes the wrong choice, he doesn't intervene. It's horrible to think of a child getting abused. God, why didn't you show up? God was there catching every tear, weeping, watching, sick, but but literally limited himself in not stopping that because of love. We have a hard time wrapping our mind around that. But if he stopped it, if he began to intervene in every poor choice we made, we would no longer have the capacity of choice. We would no longer be able to love. We'd just be a bunch of computer programs running out our program. That would not be love. And it's not love until the choice is made. Because love is what you do, not what you say. Love is who you are, and it's what you demonstrate. It's not it's not just the words that come out of our mouth. So when I love God, I obey God. When I love God, I cannot do anything less than love you. And Let me tell you something. A lot of you are lovely. You're lovable. But you know what? That's easy. You're a good, nice person, upbeat, life giving. You light up a room. Yeah, that's easy. But you know what? And that's good that, that we can love each other. But let me tell you something. When the person comes in who's broken, and you know broken people break people, hurt people hurt people. But loving people love people, free people free people. And where we're going to be tested is the one that's not lovely. That's not lovable. Let me tell you something. In the kingdom of God, everybody's lovable. Can I get an amen? So you want your you want your prayers answered? You want to see movement? You want to see the kingdom come? You want to see heaven invade earth? You better get a hold of this thing called love. And let me tell you something. You don't look at me, everybody. You don't this isn't about just just you gotta get some supernatural heavy revy because love is a verb. It's not some heavy revelation for the spiritually elite. It is a verb that anybody can do. So right now, today, I am positioning you for incredible promotion in your life because I'm giving you the key to everything. And let me say something. You now, and I, I, I'm sorry I did this to you sort of, I'm giving you the opportunity to promote Or demote in this moment. Because when you hear this, you now have a choice to make. And you make the wrong choice, folks, you're going backwards. You make the right choice, you will position yourself for all kinds of blessing. Can I get an amen? Amen. Isn't it fun to know that we are now responsible for everything we hear under the anointing? Amen or oh my? Let me give you one more thing to be shouting about. You will be tested. You will be tested. You ready? At least I'm telling you. At least you know it's coming. It won't be a pop quiz this week. Amen? So get ready. I'll tell you how this works in just a minute. All right, here's, here's a couple things. Love costs. It costs you something. For Abraham, it cost him. Taking his son that was the son of promise that he had waited two decades for. And actually taking this child that was the, prom- the one through whom the covenant for all of us was given. The one whom the promise was that you'll be the father of many nations. He was given this precious son named Isaac. And no longer than he had Isaac beginning to flourish, beginning to prosper as a, as a child and grow, beginning to grow up. God says, now take your son, your only begotten son. And take him up to Mount Moriah and offer him as a burnt offering. Now listen, it's one thing to cut a cow in half and throw it on an altar and burn it up. But can you imagine putting a child, your own child, the very child that God promised, this is what it's all coming through, this child. And God says, now, go offer this child as a sacrifice to me. See, we think, well, that's not fair. How could God even ask that? I don't know. That goes in the as Chris was telling me earlier, that goes in the mystery box. I'll put it on a shelf and we'll let God flesh the mystery out of that. Because I don't know. But let me tell you what Abraham's response was. He went and got his son, gathered a couple guys to help him, load up the load up the, the animal so they could get him. And, and he said, I love what Abraham says to the helpers, uh, we're going to go up and offer a burnt sacrifice, a burnt offering, and we will return. Yes. He Something in Abraham knew the nature of God, knew the promise of God and the covenant of God. He somehow knew it would work out. He didn't know how, but he said, we will return. We will return. And he goes and goes through the motions and does it even his son asking questions along the way. Daddy, what are we doing? Uh, where, where's, the, where's, the, where's, where's the animal for the offering? I don't know what Abraham said. I think it was a quiet, quiet moment. But in, in Abraham, so the Bible says when they got up there, they gathered the wood, and even his own son Isaac helped gather the very wood that would burn him and consume his life. God, so much in that. I've got to, I've got to keep going through the story. But they gather the wood, put it on there. Abraham's got the fire. He's got the knife. He binds his son up. Can you imagine binding your child up knowing, if God did not intervene, this is done. I'm about to kill this child. See, I can't even. I'm a parent, and I don't even let my mind wrap around it. I don't want to wrap around it. He puts him on the altar, and he lifts the knife. He's about to do it. And an angel of the Lord intervenes and says, Whoa, 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 Abraham, stop. I got you. You're going to do it. And in that moment, Abraham passed the test. Let me tell you something. You will be tested this week. probably won't be that severe. It'll probably be a co-worker that just tears you up. It may be being unjustly accused by a supervisor or a boss. Something may happen. Something may not. Somebody may defriend you on Facebook, and you're just tempted to judge. Oh, boy. Oh, uh. How dare they? It could be a lot of different things. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. You know, it's funny. We're Us Christians, man, we're so loving, aren't we? Till we get behind the wheel of a car, and we become the Terminator. It's the truth, is it not? Just say, I will be tested. And in Jesus' name, I will pass the test. Let's have the worship team make their way up. Come on, guys. Here's another thing. Love costs. We know that. But also, number two, love removes fear. 1 John 4.18. Look at the screen. Love will remove fear. Got some fear going on? Let me tell you something. There is no fear in love. But perfect love, that means whole or complete that means the right kind of love. Casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made complete or whole in love. Let me tell you, something. you got fear going on, you need to remind yourself, whoa, whoa, whoa. God is love. He lives in me. The greater one lives in me. Love lives in me. And because love lives in me, I receive by faith the love of God. And it's just got to flush. The fear has got to go. It's got to go. When you are full of the love of God. How can you be afraid when you really understand the full love of God? The perfect love. The whole love. Amen? Here's another thing. fear. Look at this. Love is proven in our actions toward one another. Someone say, uh-oh. Get ready for the scripture. Here we go. 1 John. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true in His Son Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. Look at the next scripture. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Love is proven in the way we act, the way we are toward one another. Uh, love, number three, look at the next one. Number four, love enables us to win in life. Now, I said this because I, I want you to see something. 1 John 5, 1 through 5, look at this. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him, who begot, whom he begot, also loves him who is begotten of him. Now remember, God is love here. Keep going. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Now look at the next. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God, look at this, overcomes the world. This, you want the ability to overcome anything that will come your way? You embrace the love walk. Now I'll tell you how, what it looks like in a sec. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. A Tandem scripture with this, which is one that I'm just absolutely immersing myself in, is out of Galatians chapter 5. You got that one? Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ, Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. There's a whole back, back story to that, but I, no time for that. But look at this. But faith working through love. The reason that things that we believe God for, we got a faith project, we're working on it, we're believed by. But let me tell you something. Faith works by and through Love. If love is not working, if love is not happening, if the love walk is not there, faith will have no power. It will not happen. It will not work. Love costs God everything. John three sixteen. Now, it cost him everything. Love costs God, this is a mind blower, that God was willing to literally set aside and in a very real way, and I'm almost hesitant to say it, but please hear the spirit in which I say this. God bound himself to love. We didn't bind him. God bound himself to love when he gave us the ability to choose. For God, now we'll just say it this way, for love so loved the world. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are the world. We're not going to bust out in a song here, but... (laughs) We are the world. Anyway, for God, for love so loved me. You got to say that about yourself. Love so loved me that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in love, in him, should not perish but have everlasting life. Let me just say something about love love gives, lust takes. Are you a giver or a taker? Love gives. Lust takes. Here's what love looks like. Sitting deep. It looks like honor. We read that scripture. In love, preferring one another. In honor, preferring one another. Here's what love looks like. Love looks like pausing long enough to hear God in and through someone else and i'm not talking about the preacher i'm not talking about your favorite tv evangelist or preacher i'm not talking about the last conference you went to i'm talking about your child maybe having see here's we want to hear god we want to get something but let me tell you what love does love takes the time to listen to the voice and the word of god through those that we don't even consider Love listens and doesn't do all the talking. Love love takes the time to listen to somebody who's not lovable, who's unlovely, because God, the very answer you're looking for may come from a very unlovely and, and through an unlovable source. It may come through somebody that You know, that's not real pleasant, and yet God may have the very word you're seeking. And He'll bring it through the most unlikely person. He'll bring it through the person who's offended you. He'll bring it through the person who you can't stand. You ever just felt that, I just can't stand them. You may be missing the very thing you've been praying for, The very answer you've been seeking because you can't stand them. God has a way. Listen, the kingdom is backwards. And God will bring and deliver to you what you need through the source that is just absolutely offensive. Welcome to the kingdom of God. Joseph had answers waiting him through Potiphar and Potiphar's wife. Joseph had answers and lessons coming to him through a prison sentence daniel had things tested in his life through through a wicked king god may have exactly waiting for you everything you've been asking for everything you've been praying for through the very person that you can't stand and you won't give the time of day to and all god's waiting for you to do is love them this is what love looks like folks this is practical we were invited on Thursday night to, to go over to Beltway Church and they had a conference going. And, and we knew we would be bumping into some people that, that, let's just say there's been some offense in the past. And because Annette and I have made a decision to do the love walk, we've been saying yes to a lot more stuff lately that normally we'd go, ah, we got stuff going. Ah, we're a little bit, ah, no, no, no. Because we're always busy, right, folks? Well, you know, I can't, we always got an excuse. Well, you know, I'm busy right now, and I can't, I, I, you know, I've you know, you know, got stuff going all over the place. My God, I've got kids here, kids there, it's everywhere. You know, we've got time to do what we want to do, but when it comes time to love, sometimes we're just like, oh, no don't know, I've got a million things. Oh, you should see my day timer. Look at my Blackberry right here. It's crazy. See, we, we, we're just so busy, and our busyness becomes our crutch to not do what we just don't want to do. Can I get an amen or a? Oh, that's that's a true. Stay on that. No, nobody wants me to stay on that. But anyway, I was tired Thursday. I had a bad day Wednesday. Horrible headache. Felt terrible. I was barely recovering. And Annette goes, goes. We just got asked to go to this thing at Beltway, and I'm like, oh, look at my iPhone. I have absolutely nothing going. <laughs> I had no, no excuse. I didn't know who was going to be speaking. I was very pleasantly surprised when I got there. But we had made a decision, because we've been talking about this. Okay, if we're going to teach this and pre, we've got to do this and test to come, one after another. Da, 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 it It's crazy. We walked into Beltway. First thing, I run right smack into somebody <sighs> that I just had a chance to love. You know what I did? I passed the test. And you know what? Something weird happened. Listen to what happened. As soon as I passed the test, something broke loose in me. And I mean half a dozen people came into my path that I've had something with in the past. Or they've gotten mad at us and left our church or whatever, you know. And I just kept running into them one after another. And I was just like, give me a hug. Give me a hug. Hey, it's good to see you. Man, you look great. How you doing? Great to hear it. Yeah, this is an awesome church. This is cool. And man, I mean, something just got so released in our spirit. And when we left, you know how you know how husband and wives, do you talk in the car right? Are we the only ones who do that? Well, how'd you feel about that? What'd you think? How'd you feel about Have We saw all those people. Did you feel? and we both said there was no funk in the trunk at all. Nothing. Because when you choose to walk in love and you pass the first test, well, all those other tests that were set up kind of follow out. Because the cool thing is, as you pass one, you just sort of get a free pass for the rest. And literally, all week long, we're we're at Jason's Deli. We see tons of people. It's like all these people we never see we're running into. And the spirit of reconciliation is on us because of love. Let me tell you something, you want stuff to begin to move, you want to see movement, you want to see the presence of God, get a hold of love. And you know how you do it? You do it on purpose. You do it intentionally, you don't duck behind aisle five at Walmart when you see those people you don't like. I know you do it. I know you act like you're doing something, all of a sudden you're busy, you don't see them. Busy, oh my phone's ringing, I better get that. I know none of you do that. Pastor Rich and I laugh. We've seen people knock stuff over trying to get away from us in stores. (laughs) It's entertainment for us. The love walk, the love walk. You you want a release in your life? Let me tell you. Not only do you forgive, you start to give. Annette and I actually saw a breakthrough a few weeks ago in our prayer time when we started praying for people that either had been offended at us or we have been offended with. We just started blessing and blessing, speaking, praying blessings. It was hard the first time. It was easier the second. By the third or fourth time we were praying over people, it was just a release. Boom. Powerful. Can you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, in Jesus' name, may we, Lord... This doesn't even come by revelation because it's a verb. It's something we do. And so, Father, may we this week, Father, when the tests come, when the opportunities come, and they will, Father, as they come, may we be of those numbered among those who will pass the test. Pass the test. We endeavor to pass. Say, in Jesus' name, I choose to love. And in Jesus' name, by His grace, I will... pass the test. test. Father, we bless you. We honor you.